This is Getting Into It with Grant, so let's get into it. Today, I want to talk about writing an effective resume. I've been online and have been seeing a lot of the questions that have been posted recently for career advice, and a lot of them, I guess it's maybe the time of year here with people graduating from college, they're putting together their resume and trying to figure out how to make themselves look really good on paper. When you're first starting out in the industry, it's kind of hard to know um, how to write an effective resume. Even if you've been in the industry for a while, it can sometimes feel like a guessing game because you hope that the job posting has all of the relevant information that's necessary for you to make yourself either look like a good candidate for it, or for you to really highlight your skills uh, so that they're interested in you for an interview. And so uh, what I want to do today is kind of go through a couple of different ways that you can look at that problem and um, how you should go about writing your resume and even go through an example of me reviewing one for a position and letting you know kind of my unfiltered feedback. Before we get that far, though, we got to talk about what a job posting is. I've mentioned it in other episodes, but if you haven't listened to those, then a job posting is really just a goal. Now, there's two kinds of job postings that I'm aware of, and so let's talk about the first one, which is literally just a goal. As a hiring manager, I've got a problem generally. I'm trying to solve that problem, or my team has a problem and they need some help. So with a job posting, what I'm trying to do is to convey to the ether, everybody in the industry, what my problem is. And through the power of distributed communication, which is the internet, everybody will be able to see my problem and know if they've got the skills to be able to help me solve my problem. So, you know, if I can put together a job description that's accurate or my HR business partner can do that and post it online, then you'll understand if you have the skills to apply for it. Now, the, the communication game changes so that you need to be able to effectively communicate back to me without ever meeting me that you actually have those skills. So generally, this is why I say tailor your resume for every single position. You don't know if your job requisition that you're reading falls into this first bucket or the next one that I'm about to talk to, but you should be reading every single word in the job description and trying to make sure that your resume is the best fit humanly possible for that role. This doesn't always work for the second bucket reason here. Um, also, it's a telephone game between me and my HR business partner sometimes or a recruiter, and they don't always really understand the job that I'm trying to hire for either. So it's not perfect. It really sucks sometimes, but that's the world that we all live in, myself included. When I apply for positions too, I have to consider all of these weird things that are happening in the background and hope that I can meet the expectations of the people who are hiring and reviewing my resume on the other side as well. So every single one of, the, of us are subjected to these weird nuances and we can either sit here and complain about it, we can offer a new solution, or we can try and win in this environment that we all find ourselves in. So that's the first bucket is a goal. Try and be the solution to their problem. The second type of job rec are called evergreen job recs. Evergreen job recs are ones that kind of stay posted all the time. They don't actually have a very focused or specific goal other than a general type of person that the company is trying to hire. For example, we may be uh, expanding a division in the company and we know that we need 100 Java developers to uh, staff the various teams. 
we may need 10 managers to accomplish this as well. So then we've got two evergreen job racks that get posted. One is for Java developer, the other one is for leadership, and usually they'll specify manager, senior manager, or director, right? And they'll just kind of group them all together to let you know that when you're applying for that position, you're, you're kind of being evaluated on your skill level. And based on how far you make it through the interviews, if you get to the end, then you're going to get an offer commensurate with where they evaluate your experiences from your resume and from your answers in the interview. Same thing's true with Java developer. If you just apply for a generic Java developer requisition, you're probably not going to get a ton of details in that job rack because there are none. They may not know what team you're going to end up on after you get hired, if you get hired, and they probably don't know what level to hire you on at. So all of that will be fleshed out during the interview process as they assess your skill level. Some very experienced people will usually evaluate you and say whether or not your experience meets the level of senior or mid-level, and then they'll make an offer accordingly based on your resume and what they experienced from you in the interview as well. Sometimes you can de decide when you're applying for the application based on what information is in there. If it seems like a generic job rec, which is an evergreen, or if it's actually for a very specific position. No matter what you're doing, you need to have that situational awareness of the job rec by reading through it and then custom tailoring your resume for that position. It does not matter if it's an evergreen or if it is a very specific focused job rec, you should be writing your resume tailored for the application that you're applying to. Does this make it a lot more effort on your part to apply for a position? Yes, it absolutely does. I've seen the stories online of people applying for 200, 500, 1,000 positions. That's what you have to do, but you, your quality of application is super important as well. You don't just write one resume and then just send it out to 1,000 job recs and hope that it sticks to the wall of a couple of those for an interview. You should be going out and custom tailoring your resume for every single position that you apply for. You want to increase the odds of getting called back for an interview to as high as humanly possible. Otherwise, it's really a waste of your time. If you send out a resume to a thousand different companies for a thousand positions and you've got a 1% chance of getting an interview with that resume or a 70% chance of getting an interview if you had custom tailored your resume for a particular job, don't you think it's more effective to send out 10 resumes that you've custom tailored over a thousand that have a 1% chance of getting you an interview? So there's definitely a balance here to find between quality and quantity. But my point is the resume is not actually about you. You don't need your entire history and scope of skills. The, the resume is about how you solve the problem of the person doing the hiring. You can leave off a ton of stuff on your resume that's not relevant. That is, in fact, what we're about to talk about next. I was recently giving some career advice and um, came across a very good example of a person who's trying to get into the cybersecurity industry. And they'd put together their resume, but they weren't really sure like if they were on the mark or not. And so uh, I gave their resume a look over and gave them my feedback and figured this would be a really good thing to share with all of you so that you can have an idea of how a manager would read through a resume. So this person uh, will kind of avoid their individual circumstances until the very end, but the general flow of their resume had, um, you know, a personal biography at the top, then they listed some certifications that were specific to cybersecurity. They had their education with a BA in information technology. 
you listed experience, uh, projects, and then skills and interests. The biography was okay. It was about two or three sentences of who they were and what they're looking to do. The certifications were spot on. That was really good stuff. I don't personally put a ton of stock in uh, cer certifications, but they don't hurt. So it was okay to see them on there, but really not part of my evaluation. Their education was on target, and I can tell from their educational section that they are actually uh, a senior. So they're about to graduate, but they haven't graduated yet. They got about six months left. Now their experience section is where it started to get a little kind of off for me. If I were hiring for a cybersecurity position, I would want to see experience that's relevant to the cybersecurity field. What I see is first, they were a web development assistant. So they didn't, they weren't like a, a web developer. They kind of helped somebody do web development, which is tangential to, to cybersecurity. It's not irrelevant, but it's really not like a very strong role for them to have played if they're applying for a cybersecurity role. They definitely did not highlight all of the cybersecurity related aspects of that job. It really was an assistant to a web developer. The next one uh, was security guard, which is like security, but it's physical security. It's completely irrelevant for cybersecurity. I guess aside from having experience in security, I mean, I, I really don't see how that's helpful for me as a hiring manager to see on the resume. They had a job. They have some responsibility. Now, I get this is for an entry-level position, and this person is just about to graduate from college, but that isn't helping them. It's information that I have to wade through that I can't use to evaluate their ability as a cybersecurity engineer. In their project section, it actually gets significantly better. They talk about a data breach defense control enhancement that they had to build, and then they go into detail about what that project was. And they spent four sentences there explaining, uh, you know, threat modeling and enhancements that they had recommended and really loved it. That was, that was awesome. That's the best section of the, the entire resume here. It's like, finally, this person actually has something of uh, interest and specific focus for cybersecurity. Then they talk about a dice game program, which is, again, kind of irrelevant. It's like, yeah, you can write some code, so you've got a technical background, but I knew that from your BA in information technology, hopefully. And I'll also be doing a little bit of a skills assessment when I call them in for an interview, but the resume is like to get me to call them in for an interview. And then down in their skills and interests, they talk about, you know, scripting capabilities they're interested in, uh, understanding of the cyber kill chain model, and then they're working through a cyber defense learning path. So those, those are also very good down in the skills and interests, but usually, as you can tell, it's at the bottom of the re resume. It's in after the fact. It's like, oh, and by the way, I'm also doing these things here that are relevant. So overall, this resume was not very strong. If I were to read this and assess it, I would take, it wouldn't take me 30, 45 seconds to come to my conclusion that this resume is about a two out of five or a two and a half out of five for an entry level cybersecurity position. Mentally, I would put this resume in the bucket of, I mean, it's okay, but I would like to see more candidates. I think there, there are stronger candidates out there. And I don't wanna burst their bubble too badly. The resume isn't terrible. They've got a lot to work with. And I did also give them some recommendations on improving it so that they could potentially make it through to an actual interview. 
um, assuming the HR business partner or the recruiter didn't just automatically put them at the bottom of the list anyways, that they're not going to get to be evaluated by the, the hiring manager because they weren't a strong candidate. So some of the ways that they could have improved that were to maybe reduce the experience section, get rid of the security guard entirely, and explain in the web development assistant area maybe some things that they did that were relevant to cybersecurity. If there were none, then they can focus on the technical aspects of that and writing software. Down in their project section, they had one excellent example of a project, uh, and then the other example was kind of tech-related. If there was nothing in that uh, project section for the dice game about cybersecurity, then I would want them to either come up with another example of some cybersecurity project that they had worked on during their undergraduate degree, or go out and just do another project on their own. I think a lot of people undervalue the personal project aspects of a resume when they're applying for a position, especially if you're going for an entry-level position. I just care that you know about the industry, because again, I've got a goal. I'm trying to solve a problem. And even if this were an evergreen and we're trying to hire a generic cybersecurity engineer who's gonna kind of get tasked once they get hired, I need to know that you've got skills that are relevant for that position. So they've got lots of room for uh, improvement and they kind of have to hurry up because they're six months from graduation and I didn't see any internships on their resume. That's why their experience section is probably a little weaker than it could have been otherwise. Uh, and in fact, after talking with this individual, I did find out they hadn't done any internships. So they needed to start asking around. I gave them some additional career advice on that, which I'm happy to go into in another episode. But focusing back on the resume, it just wasn't really strong. They needed to tailor it more for the position, as I had advised earlier in this episode, and uh, really think about what they're applying for. Because they're very close to getting stuck in a limbo of, oh, I've graduated. I don't really have enough experience for the positions that I'm applying for because there are other stronger candidates, but I'm too experienced to get an internship because I've already graduated. Companies usually want to put their eggs in the baskets of people who have just finished their sophomore year. So juniors, sometimes seniors, but generally juniors are the ones that they're really targeting heavily because you've got a good couple of years to work with a person and cultivate a relationship over some time with them. So I'm sharing this because I'd really hate for you or anybody else listening to this episode to fall into the same bucket where you've got too much experience for an internship because you're a graduate and too little experience to get an entry-level position. If you do find yourself in that boat, though, the best thing to do is some independent projects or to start, quote-unquote, start a business and take it seriously. Try and come up with an actual business to solve a problem and then use that as experience on your resume. At this stage in the game, Every hiring manager understands that experience is difficult to come by. You're just getting into the industry. But what I want to see is some initiative from you to go out and like start something. Or do you care enough to continue working in this industry? Are you interested in it? Or are you just a person who has a degree on paper, but I'm going to have to teach you how to do the job after I hire you? That's not helpful. You apparently went to college to learn how to do the job, so you gotta have some skills. You gotta bring something to the table for me to hire you into the position. I hope that's obvious to everybody listening too. So I hope that helps, and I hope that was clear. I just really wanted to give you an unfiltered view of what it's like to review a resume and give you some context that so you can think about how to write your own better so that you are solving the problems of the people who have the open job positions. 
So if you've been at the application game for a while, take heart. There's still a ton of open positions and new ones opening every single day. This will, with any luck, give you a leg up on your competition and make you look attractive to the hiring manager. That's the goal for every single one of us. So if you've still got follow-up questions after listening to this episode that I didn't answer, please send those to hello at grantdryden.com or tweet me at Tweets of Grant. Thank you for listening. Don't be a stranger. Follow me on LinkedIn. Give this podcast a rating so that other people can find it better. Hopefully it's a five-star review, but I really would just love some feedback from y'all at this point in time. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next time.